0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the final Four. is not on the schedule. He is Rod, I am Cameron, and... March Madness has officially begun. The tournament brackets are out. Um And Michigan State is in the play-in game, Brad, And I would just love for one year for us to not have some sort of disappointment. It seems like every year Seth Davis is up there at the end of the show asking about Michigan State and what happened there. I, I mean, it really, it seems like yeah. almost every year. I, I hear you, but, you know,
2: Here's, I had that initial reaction too. I think most people did. The, the consensus was from, from most of the bracket talk that I saw that MSU was probably not in the first four conversation. But in retrospect, I think you can see pretty clearly, um, the Michigan State Maryland game was in essence for a buy. Maryland got a 10 seed. Um, and, and I think their resumes and and where they were sitting in this thing was so similar that essentially that plus the fact that we we had a couple of um conference tournament upsets like big conference tournament upsets, yeah. you know, high majors. Yeah. Um, I think that's what did it. All that said, if you have confidence that Michigan State can beat UCLA, and I I see no reason to think that they can't, that's not a gimme. No game is a gimme for this team, but you know that's not a game. You're like, oh my God, what did they do to us? <laughs> you know, UCLA is coming in, right. by the way, having lost their last four in a row. Yeah. So yeah. either you either you think that they're overdue for a win, or they are on the skids. Um, so they've closed kind of the opposite way that Michigan State did. But think about this as as I look at it. Um, The the two 11 seeds, if you conclude that Michigan State was an 11, which was not outrageous. I think everybody sort of figured after the Maryland loss, and I believe we talked about it, a 10 or an 11 was where they were going to land. So you've got Wichita State and Drake in an old-time Missouri Valley Conference matchup. Wichita State left that league a few years ago. Um, They're in the other play-in game. But then you look at the two 11 seeds – that got buys that don't have to play in the first 4 Syracuse. you've got Utah state and you got Syracuse. Most of the brackets that I saw had both of those teams out. Yeah. So it was, and, and if I mean, you want to talk about a fan base, that's got to be feeling salty. I posted this on the Spartan mag board. I haven't looked yet. I haven't had the time, but I'm going to, uh, the chair of the committee this year is Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director at Kentucky. If you're a Louisville fan and you got left out in favor of those two teams uh, and others, and and the guy running the committee is Kentucky's guy, wow, I can only imagine the conspiracy theories floating around I mean,
0: Jesus, Syracuse was one in seven against quad one. Well, and, and that's the thing. I think at first blush, you look at it and say,
2: that's a joke. That either of those teams were were seeded ahead of a Michigan State team that has wins over two half of the number one seeds and then a number two seed, so they've got wins over three of the top eight teams in the country. Mm -hmm. Maybe better than that because I'm not sure where Ohio State was on the two line, so it might have been three of the top five. Um, For all I guess, well I guess let's see where was Ohio State at two. They were two in the south. That would have been a second. So two. hard to say. I mean, I haven't. I know they'll publish it. I haven't seen it. I mean, Baylor. Baylor could easily be the fourth number one seed. So Ohio State might be the fifth team. You can you can absolutely look at it that way and say, "Hey, Michigan State got screwed." But you know what? I'm looking down the line. Let's say that you win the play in game. Your number six opponent is BYU. That's the sixth seed the Michigan State would play if they beat UCLA. Mad (laughs) arms. Yeah. I haven't seen, you're right. I haven't seen a ton of BYU this year, but I did watch the entirety of the WCC championship game where they really pushed Gonzaga for about 30 minutes. Yeah. Just, Gonzaga just overwhelmed them in the end. Not a bad team, but they're loose. Let's put it that way. They're really, really loose. That was my impression. But by that, I mean, they take a lot of crazy shots. They they make a lot of head-scratching decisions with the ball. They didn't look great defensively to me, despite the presence of harms. As you mentioned, the mm-hmm. Purdue transfer. I'm sure Michigan State fans would love to see him again. <laughs> um, not really. Uh, but look at those other two teams. Utah State has got to match up with Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech is 17-10. and 10. But that's in a very, very tough big twelve, the second best league in the country, yeah, I think by most accounts uh, and, and Texas Tech had been a team that was floating around the edges of the top ten for much of the year, and we know from the last time there was a tournament, um what a Chris Beard team can be like to play against, yeah, I mean it's like it can be like pulling teeth to get anything good offensively and and that was with Cassius Winston at the point, yeah, with Michigan states issues at the point. Ugh, that would not be a matchup I'd be celebrating. Then I look at Syracuse as an 11. They're going to play San Diego State. San Diego State, again, very, very tough defensive team. I mean, I want to look at the, at the Ken Palm rankings here to verify that they're number 20 in Ken Palm overall, number 11 nationally on defense.
0: Wow. Yeah. So.
2: I, I look at BYU's profile, on the other hand, the 28 and 26, but it's West Coast Conference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I, I think that I would, I think on balance that, yeah, the hard part is you got to win that game. You got to beat UCLA to even get to it. So, yeah, you would say, well, I'd rather just be through, right? Yeah. But if you can win that game, You've got an easier matchup against a six. And, and let me just take a quick look because I didn't commit this to memory. I, yeah. And here's the other thing. In the other play-in game, Wichita State and Drake, the winner of that gets USC. Mm-hmm. If you give me a choice between UCLA and USC, I'm taking UCLA every day of the week.
0: Yeah.
2: At USC, I don't know if you've seen them or if many of our, you know, they got like you two, know. like a 6'10 and a seven-footer, both Mobley. Well, Mobley's going to be a top. Five pick and maybe even like top two,
1: yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, I mean USC's no joke. Now they've got some youth and they're occasionally prone to making mistakes. But man, in terms of horsepower, they're the they're the best of the six seeds in my opinion. So I really do think yes, it's a drag. They, and I'm not trying to spin this; it's what I honestly think. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a drag. They got they've got a tilt off in the play in game, but if you win that you've got the better draw you wanted and then just for for giggles let's take it a step further if michigan state were to win that game you would expect that you would be seeing texas as the number three seed Mm -hmm. the other number three seeds besides texas kansas arkansas and west virginia um those are all flawed teams when you start getting to that level that there's going to be some flaws they're all good Mm -hmm. teams Certainly, but they're all teams that have some flaws. But Shaka Smart? I'll take Shaka Smart. Although, I, I mean, they I do know got
0: Yaklich, the, the Michigan defensive coordinator who went to right. Texas. So you, you at least have an idea of mm. what it's going to look like.
2: Yeah. But, I mean, come on. And, and at that point, you know, you're playing with house money. But Shaka Smart? Hell yeah. Let's go. I mean – you know, yeah, so in terms of in terms of the draw, I'm not unhappy in terms of having to be in the playing game. Yeah, I think the committee screwed MSU a little bit, but then on the other hand, as we've been talking about, when you go out and you get your ass kicked the way Michigan State did on several occasions this year, do you really have that much room to complain? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, they kind of as I see it, by virtue of the way they played, they forced the committee to take them, you know, mm-hmm. with the way they ended this thing. But also, by virtue of the way they played, they got, you know, they got handed, uh,
0: you know. Well, they the, got to be the little cash cow for Thursday night. Right.
2: And that's the <laughs> thing. They're all, you know, and Mitch Bonhart's smiling when they asked and all that bullshit, you know. And I'm sure most Michigan State fans wanted to take his teeth out. <laughs> but, but it is yeah. true. So has yeah. there ever been? There's never been a play-in game, because it's not that old a concept. There's never been a play-in game with that much juice. Mm-hmm. No way. Just in terms of what the programs are historically. You know, you're talking about, well, got UCLA alone as double-digit national titles, and then throwing Michigan State's two. The final fours, it wouldn't surprise me if it was over 30 Yeah. between two of them, because Michigan State's got, what, 10? Yeah. Michigan State's got 10 historically, and I I would think UCLA is near 20. Yeah. Um, you know, on and on conference championships, pros, you know, and players of the year, all that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a big, big, big juice game in terms of the names, big fan bases. You know, it's, yeah. It, it, the NCAA, I'm sure is, is del- the committee's probably delighted with themselves, you know, versus Utah State and UCLA. Yeah it's got a lot more or michigan state utah state it's got a lot more juice um but i yeah i i, I think that's the right that's the way i'm choosing to look at it is the committee give us and the committee take it away they take it away and forcing you to play in that game mm-hmm. they give it and if you win it i think your path is an interesting one you know they, i mean there's a lot of that bracket, if you play it out, and of course the odds of this Michigan State team running the gauntlet are, are not great, as we all know. But just again, for giggles, you you would have the possibility of potentially a Sweet 16 game against Nate Oates, who coached at Romulus High for a mm-hmm. while, is a guy Tom Izzo certainly knows, has a relationship with. Not that they're ultra tight, but they know each other, and and Nate Oates has been around the Michigan State program. Um So that would be really interesting from that perspective, and then of course in the other half of the bracket in the
0: in the East, oh, there's a program named Michigan sitting mm-hmm. there now, and with livers, I don't happen to think foot injury, through. boy, that's going to be tough to get get through. They're not
2: getting through. Yeah, I'm with you. I, it's it, we could talk about it because theoretically it's possible, but um they're not they're not getting through to the elite eight. I I would I would be very well. I'll tell you this, from what I saw today, they're a wild program that you can't trust. You would never bet your life on them. But LSU, if LSU could beat St. Bonaventure, they would pose problems for Michigan in a second-round game. And then I think most likely you're looking at Florida State in a Sweet 16. And I think Florida State, I'm with Seth Davis, I think Florida State would take them out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we gotta obviously we're spinning these things way, way out. But I do think... From a Michigan State-centric perspective, it's a it's a region that is filled with a bunch of storylines. UCLA is the first one, but if they go further, there could be a bunch of them.
0: Yeah, uh, and I, I'm not exactly excited to see Maryland down there uh, in our bracket no, at ten. You're, you're right about that. <laughs> I, you know, I, did you
2: watch the Maryland Michigan game? Yeah, some of it. Yeah. It was the polar opposite of Michigan State's game where Maryland got out to a great start and then just did an El Foldo. And they they played Michigan three times, and they really weren't that competitive in any of them. I can't figure that team out because when they play Michigan State, to me, they look
0: fantastic. I know. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean,
2: they're not not a team that you're like, oh, my God, that's a national title team, obviously. But, boy, they defend well. They're such a tough cover on the other end because – Everybody shoots it. Everybody handles it. They're aggressive. They force officials to blow the whistle. That was the biggest thing to me. I looked at the, I looked at the stats and, you know, they just, there just weren't a lot of foul calls in that Michigan Maryland game. Yeah. You know, and, and it was, to me, I don't think it's any, it wasn't any different really in terms of how it was played. So, you know, you, the Bo Borowski effect, but,
0: um, But anyway, um. And Howard lost his mind. I'm kind of surprised he didn't get suspended for a game. Uh, That would be a tough one to get the call on, but he was out of his mind. Like, running around trying to fight people for minutes. Well, supposedly. And it's hard to know
2: for sure what the truth is, but I, I, I think this is probably legitimate because it's the kind of thing that would get you tossed. He supposedly yelled at Turgeon in the midst of that, I'll kill you. Mm. Well now we're now we're getting into you know um uh John Cheney, John Calipari territory. If you know the old timers among us remember back to the nineties when those guys had a post game match and John Cheney came into the post game press conference Calipari was giving and they had a little exchange and then Cheney screamed, I'll kill you started start <laughs> in the podium. Um this is the closest we've I been. I never heard. I remember that. I oh, you got to see their clips. I'm sure it's on YouTube. <laughs> Positive. any of our listeners. If you haven't seen it, it's an all time great moment. All time. Great. Wow. Cause John Cheney would have tried to kill him if he'd gotten to him. I have no doubt in my mind about that. Um, uh, but yeah, that's supposedly what happened. Now here's, here's the part I like, and you, there's no complete verification of this. I've seen it said people who claimed they were courtside and heard it. Um, The claim is that what set it off was Turgeon said to him, enjoy your banners because they just end up coming down anyway. (laughs) if he said, I so want to believe that he said it. Because Mark Turgeon, I don't have strong feelings about him as a personality one way or the other. I think he's generally very dry, kind of boring. There's not really, you know, Michigan State, Maryland, I hate the way they play with their fullback dives to the rim, but I don't think Mark Turgeon's a bad guy. There's not any bad blood yeah. between Michigan State and Maryland. But, man, if he said that, he would rock it up my charts because that <laughs> killer line to that guy, to mm-hmm. Juwan Howard, that is killer. Um Supposedly that was in the mix there. They both seem to agree that, it kicked off. Howard was trying to get to the official. He believed that they'd made a wrong call before that stoppage in play. And he was way, he had been way, way, way out of the coach's box. And and by the way, I had forgotten about this incident until I was reminded of it on social media. Jawan Howard, if you remember that game in East Lansing last year, his first season, you remember him getting teed up for getting like, I don't know, 30 feet onto the court? Oh, yeah. Did play? Yeah. I had forgotten about it, too. So he's got a habit of this. That said, you know, Tom Izzo gets out of the coach's box. Mark Turgeon gets out of the coach's box. A lot of guys do. Um, apparently, he got out of the coach's box. Turgeon said something to the official. Howard heard it and then said, is this what we're going to do to Turgeon? And then it kind of, Turgeon said, and again, they both agree on this much, one in one form or another, Turgeon apparently said to him, don't talk to me, mm-hmm. to how And then it just went off. Now, again, I'd love to believe the banner line happened. I don't know that it did. Um, the I'll kill you, probably I find a little easier to believe because it, he must have said something to get run. You know, I I don't think that's I don't think that just would have happened. But obviously they had an assistant coach, Jay Smith, their assistant coach, was getting in the way and holding Howard back. Or at least that's how it was supposed to look. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure I believe Jay Smith could really hold you on Howard back. But um, but nevertheless, that's how it looked. Uh, But, yeah, it was wild. And then, you know, it maybe it started an epidemic because I, I don't know how many of our listeners saw the SEC championship game today. That was unbelievable. First of all, it was a great game. Alabama and LSU. Mm-hmm. Really competitive, high energy, guys making plays both, both ends of the court. Um, went down to the wire. LSU had a chance to win it. They missed, uh, they missed a long jumper and then they really missed like a point blank putback attempt that went in and out and Alabama won. But before the game started, the coaching staff got into it with each other at half court and then eventually the teams <laughs> got into it. I'm not sure, I haven't read deeply enough to see what it was like, or what what the reason was, rather. I've seen the clips of the melee. So that was the starting point to that game. After Alabama held on to win, Nate Oates, who people know, again, I used to coach at Romulus High, was just ecstatic. And you could very clearly see, if you lip-read at all, his words after like the third arm pump. Make this motion, this sweeping motion, and he said clearly to LSU and I assume to their staff, "Get the fuck out of here." <laughs> so all of a sudden, we've got we got really really bad blood in situations that aren't you know there's no Michigan Maryland rivalry. There might be an LSU Alabama one, kind of, but in the SEC, it's Kentucky and, and the world, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, uh, all. You know, it's not like it's Michigan, Michigan State or Duke, Carolina, where you expect heightened, you know, tension, heightened emotions, all that stuff. But, man, I am so glad to see it. This
0: sports in general needs more hate. My <laughs> right. I do like it. I do like the fire. You know, it it, it seems like it's been lacking for about four or five years, maybe I, longer. I think long. I think longer
2: than that. You'll see it more often in college. Certainly, the pros, it, it, the NBA especially. I, I do. I do really. And I'm not one of these people to say, "Well, the old days were better." I mean, look, athletes are the best they've ever been. I think the brand of basketball, in terms of pure talent, played in the NBA right now, is the best it's ever been. I'm not going to deny any of that stuff. That said, I know what I know, and. It was more entertaining and more fun in the eighties when you knew you weren't guessing, you knew teams hated each other. Yeah. Pistons and the Celtics hated each other. <laughs> yeah. the Bulls and the Pistons hated each other. I mean, those were real deal rivalries where guys Weren't just putting on. You know, well, we don't like each other for forty minutes when we're between the lines, but then we're buddies afterwards. You know, there's a handful of guys. Draymond Green, obviously, is one of the few guys who I think can kind of bring that kind of energy uh-huh. to modern sport. But it is, it is lacking, and I'm not ashamed to admit. And when you have that, it adds extra juice. And anybody who follows sports closely knows this. Why do you feel a little more fired up when you're playing a rivalry game? Well, it's because you don't like those guys. Yeah. You know? And so bringing more of that to the table, I'm all for it. So as much as I think Juwan Howard clearly needed to be kicked out, and it would have been justifiable, I think, to suspend him. It didn't end up mattering. But um would have been justifiable to suspend him for a game. I don't think anybody could have really complained about that. Um, I'm happy for it because, you know what? I'm going to be paying attention to, for sure. And it wouldn't be a lock that I would watch that game next year necessarily. But now it is the first Maryland-Michigan game. Yeah. <laughs> you better believe that. I mean, I, that is going to be must-see TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know that, yeah. It's it's interesting, but I, you know, while we're on that subject, I think we should maybe uh, talk a little bit about the Big Ten. Um, as I look at this thing, so they've got teams in every region. In the West, Iowa is the number two. That's Gonzaga's region. Um, yeah, they look like they
0: got a a tough road to get to the I,
2: you know Final four at I, least.
0: Yeah, yes, I, I like
2: Gonzaga's path let's start with them because um you know the the one that would make you feel a little bit shaky in a normal year might be Virginia City in a number four. But this is this is not a normal Virginia team. We're we're used to Virginia, even when they don't have that that national championship level horsepower that at the very least they're really, really difficult to play against typically. Uh-huh. You know? I mean that's kind of the standard under under Tony Bennett. Um, this year's team is number 33 in adjusted defense. That's not, you know, that's not horrible. It's still top 40. It's still pretty good. But, you know, last year before COVID hit, they were number one. Yeah. The year they won the national title, they were number five. Then they were number one the year before that. They were number two the year before that. The year before that, they were number seven. Going back to 15, they were number two. 14, <laughs> they were number four. 13, so you got to go back to 2013 to find the last Virginia team that was outside of the top 10 on defense. They were 25 that year. So I think it means something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I really do. And and I think that's very, very helpful for Gonzaga because that's the team. I mean, obviously there are others. You know, Creighton's had a nice year, but they they seem to be in a little bit of turmoil. Uh, I can't see Gonzaga losing to the winner. Missouri game. I, mm-hmm. I just don't see that. Um, maybe one team to watch for as kind of a you know. While we're talking about Virginia, that's assuming that Virginia gets through, and they've got to play Ohio. I like Ohio. If if I, some of our listeners, I'll bet remember this way back in November or December, uh, Michigan played Ohio, oh,
0: and Ohio right. yeah. has,
2: Ohio has a point guard, Jason Preston, who's really impressive, and he had a great year in the MAC. Um, that's a team that I could see taking Virginia out. They're not going to take Gonzaga out, but I could see them in the upset there on the bottom half of that bracket. I- I'm with you. I think Iowa's got a, a tougher road to hoe. And as our listeners know, I have very little faith in Iowa at this time of the year because I just don't, I don't see how they can guard anybody well enough to win. I mentioned it earlier. USC is a six. They'd worry me.
0: Yeah. Um, Kansas. I don't
2: love, I don't love Kansas this year. But it's Kansas. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you have Iowa facing off against Kansas, who you take? Even though Iowa is one line higher,
0: I'm I taking mean, either, Kansas. Either either it's USC or Kansas. Prob- most likely. Either one yeah. of those is going to be tough.
2: But even you know, even honestly, in a second round game,
0: Iowa gets either Oregon or VCU.
2: Oregon is not a great team. But they've got some guys. they've got some they got a couple guys our listeners are probably pretty familiar with. Their best player, arguably, is Eugene Omerui, who was formerly a Rutgers. Really good player. And and kind of a mid sized guy, six eight, but strong. Um I don't think Iowa's gonna have an easy time with him if they face him. Mm-hmm. Uh and then they of course have Jalen Terry as a backup point guard who hasn't played a ton ton of minutes, but He's been pretty damn efficient. Last time I saw his three-point percentage was near 40%. Um, doing a decent job with decision-making. He's just a, playing a backup role. but mm. um, And they've got a bunch of other guys, too. So I, I would be worried even about that Oregon game. And then VCU, I'll admit I haven't seen as much of. But they had a nice year in the A-10. Um, and that's a program that's used to playing in the tournament. So, no, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it's easy for Iowa.
0: Yeah. So if you look at the South, you got uh, Wisconsin as the nine seed, the eight nine, uh, just below Baylor. Yeah. That's tough. And they're and they face North Carolina. Carolina.
2: Yeah. And this is not a vintage Carolina team. Let's not, there's a reason that's an eight nine game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this Carolina, the one thing they have, they got a lot of size, a lot of size. And some of those younger big men I've noticed have had some better games here down the stretch they've got some experienced big men too Garrett Brooks it seems like he's been there forty years <laughs> um, but they've got some young guys Kessler um, Bacot, I think the kid's name is he was a really highly regarded big man last year and he's back for a sophomore season they got a lot of guys mm-hmm. um, Wisconsin just has not played well yeah. I mean let's be honest they to me um Michigan State, relative to preseason expectations, would be the biggest disappointment in the conference. I wouldn't argue with that. But Wisconsin is a very tight second because that was a. T- I picked them to win the league. Mm-hmm. They were consensus top ten in the preseason nationally, Uh and they ended up what they end up eleven and nine in the league. I think.
0: Yeah, and it's not uh, even like they had injuries. I mean, no, no, they were they it just were uh, doesn't make any sense. No, I'm
2: sorry. They were 10 and 10. They were 10 and 10 in the league and then 1 and 1 in the Big Ten tournament. So 11 and 11 on the year for Wisconsin. And that, that to me, from a team that had, you know, collectively, God, in their starting lineup, 25 years of experience. (laughs) And a lot of that starting because a lot of those guys, Davison, Trice, Reavers, They've been multi-year starters. It's not like they just became starters as juniors. Right. Those guys, those guys were starting as freshmen.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, for them to have the year that they've had, I, I don't get it. I don't under I, I can look at the numbers and say, well, offensively they struggled. They were number relative to expectations. They were number thirty-two nationally. Uh, defense was thirteen. So you could say the defense was where it needed to be. The offense probably wasn't.
0: And you would but, think that offense would just be. The most impressive thing with a How team as, as, as experience is that. I mean. All of their guys can shoot.
2: All of them. So they, even their big guys, Reavers and Potter, are you know came into the season with reputations and track records of being very good jump shooters. So all their guys can shoot. They've got, um, they don't, it's not quite the Bo Ryan era, but they still don't commit a lot of mistakes. Mm. Um, you know, it's just. It's hard to understand, but I, I think they're going to have a very tough time. Carolina is hardly great, but, man,
0: Wisconsin's been such a disappointment. that I don't know how that, you
2: can pick them see, against anybody decent.
0: That's, that seed was like the nightmare scenario that I was thinking about for MSU. If they, if they win some Big Ten tournament stuff and get up into the nine seed, and then you get somebody like North Carolina right underneath Baylor, well, it's like lights you out. Know,
2: and, again, I'm 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 honestly not trying to put lipstick on a pig here. I I really believe this. For the reasons you just suggested, was it better for Michigan State to have happen what happened? Maybe. Maybe it will end up will end up feeling that way because I'm with you. The they were never gonna this team was if, if you gave this team a three seed for some reason, if you lost your mind completely and gave them a three seed. That wouldn't be great because we don't, we know they're not trustworthy enough, right? <laughs> yeah. So they could go out and lose to a 14. It's possible. Right. <laughs> um, so moving up the line was not in this team's best interest, at least mm-hmm. not too much. If they could have gotten to a 10, let me look at the 10 sevens. So if they had been a 10, they could have theoretically, if everything else stayed the same faced Oregon, I wouldn't love that. Yukon, I don't know that I'd love that. Clemson, eh, I don't think Clemson's great. And then Florida. So those aren't, none of those are like knockout punch kind of opponents, but, you
0: know. But then you got the two seeds, and it would have been Iowa, Ohio State, Alabama, Houston. Those are not teams you want to play in the second game. That's where it gets worse. That's where it's
2: notably worse. Yeah. So you can, you can make an argument that the, the best thing for Michigan State. Is what happened. And again, I I go back to the scenarios we talked about earlier Um, being in the playing game, but then your reward is you get BYU. I'd rather face BYU than some of those other teams. Again, Mm -hmm. don't take that to mean that I think, I don't even think Michigan State's a lock to beat UCLA. Never mind BYU. But if I've got my choices, I'm okay with this path. Mm hmm. I do think, I do think there are advantages to it. And you're right. They, if they had somehow gone on a run, say, beat Maryland, beat Michigan, then I think they would have very much been in the conversation for a nine. Mm. I think that's true. And boy, then you're looking at a choice of Oklahoma, Carolina, Loyola, Chicago is a really dangerous eight in my view, and LSU, who's a dangerous eight. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have liked that. Yes. Yeah.
0: You know? So, um, um, further down the south bracket, uh, you got Purdue, who's actually in a pretty nice position here. They got North Texas. They're the four seed. Uh, North Texas is the 13th seed. Above them, though, is Villanova Winthrop. Winthrop's yeah, good, but, but Villanova's got their, their main guy injured. Gillespie. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And they got another kid. I'm not, another kid who's hurt. I'm not sure if he's going to play, but the loss of Gillespie is massive. I, I Seth Davis, like I think, said he'll, he's picking Winthrop. Um, that's possible, but mm. I'm with you. I mean, Purdue, Purdue really does have a great setup to get to a sweet 16. Yeah. And then it's over because I don't see how Purdue would beat Baylor. Yeah. Unless, you know, the one thing is Baylor since coming back from the COVID layoff has been a little bit inconsistent. They are not quite what they were beforehand. And so, you know, I guess you never say never, but. Uh, last time I checked, Carson Edwards isn't, isn't suiting up
1: for Purdue. <laughs> yeah. they,
2: don't, they don't have anybody like that on this team, and that's probably what they would need to have for me to give them like a good puncher's chance against a Baylor. But, hey, if you're Purdue with what expectations were in the preseason, the regular season they've had and a Sweet 16 would be a huge success. Mm-hmm. You take it and run, figure you're going to have most of those guys back next year. You know, Purdue's going to be one of the favorites in the Big Ten next
0: season. I would be very surprised if they're not. So you're right, though. The initial draw, not bad for them. Uh, And then you look a little bit further down that one, and you get Ohio State at the two. They draw Oral Roberts above them, Florida, Virginia Tech. So they're kind of really in the same sort of position um, as Purdue, except for one more down the line. You'd have to face Baylor. Um, Yeah. I, but it I looks will, like their Sweet 16 chances are pretty good, and maybe Elite Eight too.
2: Yeah, I, I am, and it's it's funny because you know they put up a hell of a fight today. I mean, Illinois had them in a position that I thought it was gonna it was over, and they had a 17 point lead. Mm-hmm. It, it looked it looked like a steamroller was coming out. And they fought back and fought back and fought back and got it into overtime and then they just didn't have enough in the end. So on the one hand, you have to say, wow, that's really impressive. And it was, it was also good. They, you know, it was a shorthanded Michigan team, but they, they handled Michigan. They took care of business. Um, but I am, I only feel slightly better about Ohio state as a two than i do iowa and the only reason i feel better about them at all is that it's got ohio state on the front of the jersey and so i feel like they're a little bit more trustworthy somehow Mm -hmm. than than uh than iowa is but man the profiles are similar really good offensive teams really suspect defensive teams i mean if i look really quickly here at Ohio State, I mean, this is number four offense, number 79 defense. Iowa somehow is up to 50 on defense. Somehow. Um, that is, uh, um, you want an illustration of the problems with Ken Palm and any other metric system this year? That's it. Because you're trying to tell me I was a top 50 defense. I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. <laughs> but, but both of those teams, that's what you worry about. And I, You know, I've felt it happen a couple of times this year down the stretch where if you want to win big games against big time opposition, I think it's really, really hard to do that if you don't have the kind of team that can just lock down in the last four minutes and get stops.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
2: I just think it's really, really hard to do that. Um. And I don't think Ohio State can do that. And, and the reason I say it's hard is it puts immense pressure on your offense to just never make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And that's too much. For college kids, that is too much to think you are going to go out and just every possession down the stretch of a big game against a good opponent that you're just going to execute, execute, execute and, and never screw up. You know, and that's kind of what I've seen from Ohio State. I go back their recent regular season game where they lost to Michigan. I think it was in Columbus. Tight game. Great. It was the game everybody was euphoric over. Oh, game for the ages. You know, we talked about this and it was, it was a fun game to watch, but it was also a little soft. Um, Ohio State broke down and made a couple of dumb plays down the stretch and they couldn't stop Michigan and that was it that was the difference just a couple of plays and i think in the ncaa tournament if that's your profile as a team man that's that's really tough to think you're going to go and win three straight four straight you know to get to a final four uh you look at their half of the bracket you know florida and va tech would be the second round games right yeah and Florida's profile is not overwhelming. They're 37th overall, 40th on offense, 37th on defense. Um, Vatech is even worse. 55th on offense, 54th on defense. I don't know that either of those, those teams is good enough offensively to to make Ohio State really sweat. But I'll tell you what i, I look at I look at two other teams there. Um, I look at Arkansas. 35th on offense, but 14th on defense. Mm-hmm. That could be a team. Texas Tech, 33rd on offense, 24th on defense. Those are a couple of teams in that potential Sweet 16 matchup that I would worry about if I were Ohio State. Yeah, um, I think either of those teams has the, the profile to really give them a problem. Yeah, those two teams uh, just, are tough. Just because they they would seem to be good enough – to go get stops in a tight game. Whereas I don't know that Ohio state can, you know, when even Ohio state's offensive profile, their success, look, Dwayne Washington has become a better player than I think anybody in, or most people, I'll say most people, even in Michigan thought he would become, but Dwayne Washington takes some shots that man, <laughs> shot selection with that kid in, in a, Tight game. You know, I know he's got great self belief and more power to him. He's had a great year and especially a great close of the season. He's been fantastic. But he's a guy that can definitely shoot you out of a game Mm -hmm. when it matters most. You know, because he believes he's got that self belief that, you know, any great scorer has. And that's fine, except when it takes him out of making really good decisions. And I think that could happen. Uh,
0: So, you move down to the Midwest bracket. Illinois is the number one seed there. It looks to me like Illinois probably has the easiest road to the Final Four of all the one seeds. Just based on well, the teams I see, I mean, they're going to have a tough one. Loyola Chicago and Georgia Tech <laughs> winner. That's one. That's one that jumped out at me right away because potentially
2: that's an in-state battle in a second-round game. You think Illinois wants that? Yeah. No one <laughs> Oh, no, they don't. And Loyola Chicago is a legit team. By the way, one of the guys on the staff, I know I've mentioned it here before, one of their assistant coaches, Drew Valentine, Denzel's brother, native of Lansing, Lansing Sexton guy, son of former Spartan Carlton Valentine. Um, yeah, I just want to take a quick look here as we're talking about it.
0: Doesn't Loyola also have Paxton Wojcik?
2: Yes, they do. You're right. You're correct. Good catch. Yes. Paxson Wojcik, son of Doug Wojcik, MSU assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking at their roster. Okay, so I see one, two, three, four, five, six, six four, five, six. Six Illinois kids on that roster. So, you know, including their best player, Cameron Crutwick. Um, that would be something as a center. That would be something I would be, look, I'm picking Illinois all day. I I think Illinois right now, Illinois is easily the big 10 team. I feel best about, Mm -hmm. um, I think they've, they've gotten past, you know, uh, earlier in the season, I had two issues with them. The first was when they were playing Georgie and Coburn together. I think that was a mistake. That's what happened to them in the Baylor game. They just – Baylor was smaller, but Baylor just attacked them and way too quick, way too athletic. They couldn't win. They've since changed that. They don't play those guys together much anymore, if at all. And it's made them much better. It's made them a tougher team to deal with. The second thing is – and today would be an example of this. I think we talked after the MSU game that we didn't love the reactions from Illinois when the going got tough in that one. Yeah. they looked fragile. Guys were arguing with each other. They just—they didn't look like a team that that had the kind of resiliency you need to have because you are going to hit low points in this thing. It's going to happen. It always does, even to the best teams. Um, I feel since then that's—I feel better about that too. Today was really where it got tested. Really, since the Michigan State loss, they kind of had it their own way, like they beat the hell out of Michigan. Full-strength mm-hmm. Michigan. I think it was full. Yeah. That was a full-strength Michigan, and without IU, they'd beat the hell out of Michigan. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they just had it all going their own way. Today, they didn't. Today, Ohio State came off the mat twice. They were down 17. They came back, made it very tight, like a one, two-point game. And then Illinois had another push fairly late in that game to get it out back out to 10, and Ohio State closed to take them into overtime. So I do think that was telling. If I'm an Illinois fan, I'm feeling really good about having seen that. Mm. But of all the eight seeds, Loyola Chicago is one you didn't want to see. You're probably pulling pretty hard for Georgia Tech. Not that I think Loyola, or Georgia Tech for that matter, would beat Illinois. But Loyola would come into that game with all those Illinois kids just with so much. I mean, it would be like there have been years where the NCAA did this or tried to do it to Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I remember way back um, in the championship year in 79, Michigan State, the way it used to work is you had certain teams had buys. There were 40 teams, I think, in the tournament. So Michigan State had a buy in the first round. They played the winner of University of Detroit and Lamar. U of D was legit back then. I mean, they had pros. and that was a rivalry michigan state and u of d they played each other regularly that was a real rivalry and it was legitimate players on both sides everybody knew that the tournament set it up for a first round game or for a first game for michigan state a second round game between u of d and michigan state (laughs) Lamar got in the way and Mm. lamar won it and then they came in talking a lot of trash their coach was billy tubbs who Eventually ended up at Oklahoma and got to a national title game and became a pretty big deal. But at the time, he was just some loudmouth that we didn't know about. And um, and Michigan State just slapped the shit out of his team. But anyway, um, they, they were trying to set that up. And then if you remember the first, the very first run that Tom Izzo had in the tournament, they had to play Eastern Michigan in their Thomas, first round. Yeah, that's right. The very first game, they played Eastern Michigan, and then they had to play Princeton to get to the Sweet 16. Uh, and they handled Eastern a little easier than I think people thought. Uh, the conventional wisdom was that it was going to be a tough game because Eastern was pretty good. I
0: think
2: they had Earl Boykins, Derek Dial, it was that group, and Milton Barnes was their head coach um that was a good team, but so what's happened to MSU, and they, the committee likes to do this stuff, so it's not a big surprise. They deny that it's got anything to do with it. Bullshit. They like to set it up. So that one would have a little more juice than a normal 1-8 game would have. Mm-hmm. But I still like Illinois. You look at the rest of that half of the bracket, you know, Tennessee's good. Uh, Rick Barnes done a nice job there. I don't think they can take Illinois out. Oregon State played their way into the tournament by winning the Pac-12 tournament. Um, they're not going anywhere. Here's an interesting one. Here's an interesting one for a Sweet 16 game. Illinois against Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham. <laughs> yeah. If you go chalk, that's how it should turn out. That would be an interesting game because you would have two of the most dynamic players in the country in Cunningham and DeSundma going going head-to-head. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. I don't think Oklahoma State's got an answer for Coburn, unfortunately for them, but Hey,
1: that's
2: a, that's a good team. That's a good team. And that would be an interesting sweet 16 test for Illinois. I'd still pick them, but it would be interesting. And then you look at the other half, you got Houston as the two. They're good, but you know, unfortunately
0: they haven't had a whole lot of luck and their conference is not that great. I mean, that's what I was going to say. The American is a pretty good league. Generally, but Wichita's—they um, lost their head coach. He's so they're down a little bit. Cincinnati has not been the same since Mick Cronin, right? They—they uh, they almost Memphis pulled it up. is they like when they got
2: to the tournament final today, but couldn't beat Houston. Um, yeah, Memphis not getting in. I mean, Memphis is really a disappointment under uh, Penny Hardaway. I think it's fair to say compared to what X, you know, what Juan Howard has done is kind of what people figured Penny Hardaway would be, and it it hasn't played out. Um, that which I think is all the more reason to suggest that the the Howard thing is by far the outlier. You know, these big-name guys. And I guess you got to give credit, Patrick Ewing getting Georgetown into the tournament with a hell of a run in the Big East tournament. But but this is the first really good moment for Patrick Ewing in, like, I think he's been there four years now, three or four years. Uh, You know, Chris Mullen flamed out. Clyde Drexler tried it at Houston. He flamed out. Penny Hardaway has not gotten it done at Memphis. So, But I get back to the point. I'm Jerry going Stackhouse to, hasn't done much at Vanderbilt. Jerry Stackhouse either. hasn't done any of Vandy. Um, Houston maybe hasn't been tested as much as a normal American Conference season would because there are a lot of programs in that league that year in, year out, you'd say, oh, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, usually if you win the American Conference, you're a very good team. Yeah, um that's when when I think about, you know, sometimes I classify it that way. Unlike football, I think you have to you have to talk about basketball as the Power 5 plus 2 generally. Mm-hmm. Cuz it's all the Power 5 teams But then the Big East is a legitimate high major conference, no question. Year in year out, I think it was fourth this year in KenTon power ratings overall. Yeah. Better in the pack. Better than the ACC this year, as a matter of fact, also better than Pac-12. But I think you also have to generally talk about the American as another one when you, you know, you just reel them off. Okay. Houston's been very good under Kelvin Sampson. Cincinnati's historically good over the last 30 years. Memphis obviously always, um, is a name you at least have to be, you have to be cognizant of, mm. uh, because they generally have pretty good talent. You know, and on and on and on. Wichita State in that league now. Um, so, yeah, it, it, you would normally expect it to be okay, but I, I'm kind of with you. I don't know that Houston has been tested as much. And then you look at the rest of it. We already talked about Syracuse as an 11. I I think they're the worst at-large team in the field. I really do. Um, to me, I would take either
0: Wichita State and Drake or Michigan State UCLA over Syracuse. No question. So how does Rutgers but, stack up in this in this thing, there's a 10 seed playing Clemson and then into Houston. You know, Rutgers has been kind of
2: difficult to figure for me this year because I was really high on them. I figured that they would be fifth. I thought they were just below the top four. Well, two of those top four weren't top four, Michigan State and Wisconsin, as it came down to it. Instead, Michigan and Ohio State replaced them. But then Purdue also jumped into that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, So Rutgers was really your sixth best team, I think, in the league. Let me think about that. So that would be Maryland. Who else am I missing? So Maryland, Michigan State. And um, no, they'd be seventh best, actually, because you also had, um, well, you had Wisconsin ahead of them, too. So, yeah, probably fairly sixth or seventh best in the conference. Um, their defense ended up, now this is, do you remember our conversations, the first MSU records in MSU won the blowout? We said, boy, they're not what they've been defensively. Yeah. That offense a lot better. Well, you know how it ended up? Let me make sure I, I got know. the right year. Yes, I do. So I'm looking at this because I haven't looked at them recently. Defense up to 18th. So that's kind of Steve oh. Pichel stuff. Offense 75. Also, unfortunately, Steve Michael's stuff.
0: <laughs> so they wound up where they, where you would expect. Yeah. It was a, uh
2: a circular route to get there, but they got there. And that first game is against Clemson, and you know Clemson had twentieth yeah. best defense, ninety ninth best offense. So I'm going to say in that game, it's fair to expect maybe first one to sixty. Wins <laughs> yeah. Two pretty good defenses, two top 20 defenses, and two teams between like 75 and 100 at the other end. Um I don't know that I would expect Rutgers to get beyond that game. I certainly think they have a chance against Clemson. I I, I think Houston is probably a bridge too far, though. Mm. And, and honestly, the team that I might watch out for there in that half of the bracket, if it were me, I would... I would say the winner of West Virginia San Diego State could have a hell of a shot to get to an elite eight game. I mean, I, I do I do think that. I think San Diego State's pretty good, and I know West Virginia
0: is. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, West Virginia. Their is, offense has been great this year. And it's yeah, really their, their defense, defense. Is down. It's kind of flipped.
2: But but that's a team. You know the old truism in this stuff. Is always well guard play wins in March, right? And it's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's pretty accurate. Um, when I've seen West Virginia, i thought they were a lesser Baylor. They mm. just had a lot. Of, it seemed to me they had, and they've got one guy inside, Derek Culver, um, kid from Ohio that Michigan State looked at for a minute, but I don't think ever actually offered. Uh, who's been pretty good inside for them. But other than that, it's Miles McBride. They got a bunch of these guards that just kind of attack you, and and that's a formula that you can have success with in March for sure. Yeah, you know, I would just say San Diego State is a pretty good defensive team, and they've got some athletes, so they might they might be able to hang with West Virginia. I wouldn't rule it out, um, but. Uh, but, yeah, that I, I would probably think that either of those teams would have a great shot against Houston.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I just, I don't, you know, Houston as a two seed, I understand that by any real, you know, any of the measures they're using, they quote-unquote earned it. But I just, I don't know. And if it was a Houston-Illinois matchup in an Elite Eight, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get the, you know, get the once in a generation trip to the Final Four ready for the Illini, mm-hmm. and I, I do think they're the one. To, maybe we should talk about that. Okay, so we've talked about all the Big Ten and kind of gone through the regions. So, here's my bottom line question for you: Is this the year that the Big Ten gets the monkey off its back and wins another national title? Oh, because um, objectively, I, yeah. You know, just preface the question. And I'll mm-hmm. let you talk. Four of the top eight teams in the country by seed are Big Ten teams. So, in most years, you would say, "Well, that's a great shot. You got half of those. You got half of the best teams, mm-hmm. right? They have all the advantages that seeding gives you. They've obviously proven they're great teams. That they are seated
0: there, etc." You would normally say, "Yeah, maybe this is the year." I think it is. I'm going to say that I think really? it is the year um, because. Really, I have his who's that team? I think it's going to be Illinois. okay. Um, okay, tell me why. Illinois has uh, they've got good guard play. Um, that's true. They've got a gigantic guy down low that you've got to deal with and some teams just aren't going to be able to deal with him. Um, and I don't trust Gonzaga to win a national championship. I know this is a different Gonzaga team than we've seen. But I, I just think there is definitely something to playing in that conference. Okay. And, and for two months, you play those teams, and the best team that you see basically is BYU. I have just don't think it prepares you to to deal with adversity. Uh, you know, when your back's against the wall against somebody and a couple rounds later, you just don't have that confidence of, well, we can come back and win. It's like, well, you only have to do that once against BYU. I just I – don't, I don't like – Gonzaga to win a national championship. Still, I could be wrong, but and I think Baylor's struggling. Um, I think they'll probably get beat by somebody. I don't trust Michigan, um, especially with no. the injury. No, no. Um, they, Illinois just looks like the best best option. It looks like they have the easiest route. Um, to me, I mean, okay. Loyola Chicago is going to be tough, but I don't. I'm not that concerned about Oklahoma State or Tennessee and then it's like who knows who you're going to be playing the next one. Yeah, okay. but I think it is a Big 10 year and I, no, I I wouldn't put it out of the question for like Ohio State to get to the final four, maybe they do something crazy and win. Um Okay, that was my next question.
2: Is there any other Big 10 team you think can win it? And Ohio you think State Ohio would State would be State, the only it other, is other is one. Chance. Yeah,
0: that'd be the only one I I would think Okay. Uh, I, I'm i with you in that I don't think Michigan
2: or Iowa can because I don't think either one of those teams has, has a prayer getting out of their region.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I just don't see it. Uh, even if Michigan had livers, I would be very dubious based on what I've seen because I think that you and I talked about this. Um, When you look at the schedule they actually played and how the Big Ten played out, they didn't face – really good opposition, all that much. Yeah. I mean, anybody in the Big Ten was good, but you know what I mean. They didn't face the elite teams. They get Iowa once. They beat them, but I think they only got Iowa once, right? Yeah. Um, they only got Illinois once. They only got they Illinois once, and they got they hammered lost. without Iowa. That, that to me, was the one where I just thought, okay, they, they this has – this is clearly not the team that people seem to think it is. Because remember, for weeks and weeks and weeks, it was, well, Michigan deserves to be in the conversation with Gonzaga and Baylor as a legitimate national title threat. And the record and the fact that they were leading the Big Ten, which was clearly the best league, seemed to support that. But I don't think people took a deep enough look into how things were playing out and And who they were actually having to play. Right. Oh, and okay, are they really proving this the way that maybe some other teams are, the way you think they are? And and I, I do think as we got to the end of things, you know, taking that loss to Illinois, then Michigan State beating them in the season finale, I really do think those two things, even apart from the injury to livers, put a real dent. In my perception, and I think most people's perception of them, um, and then the liver's injury. Just to, I, I look, it happens occasionally. Michigan State fans have lived this, um, you know, where you lose Kalen Lucas, yeah, early in a second round game, and yet you still get to a Final Four. You find a way to do it. Um, this Michigan team is not that Michigan State team. <laughs> They, they don't have an equivalent to Corey Lucius who could just step in Mm-mm. for They don't have nearly the depth that Michigan State team had. And they don't have guys like, you know, Draymond Green. They don't have, um, uh, they don't have a, in my mind, they don't have anybody who was even on the level of a Raymar Morgan or a Durrell Summers, at least in terms of what those guys meant to that Michigan State team, what they could do offensively in a given situation. You know, I just, I don't think. I don't think Michigan has that. I think their guys who are are very productive players have shown to also be a little too fragile mentally lately. And look at like Wagner and and Dickinson, I don't think it's played out well down the stretch for them. Not my opinion at least. So I'm with you on them. Iowa I've been saying it since before the season started. I don't think and that number fifty defensive rating is crazy to me. Um I don't think Iowa can guard well enough. To have a chance to get to a final four. So it really does come down to the other two. I have to differ with you on Ohio State. I just don't see it defensively for them. You know, the only exception for them or for Iowa would be if they just have two weeks where they're shooting like 50% from three. Mm-hmm. They're killing people and that you can't rule that out, but I just think it's highly unlikely at some point in those four games. You're going to have to prove that you can defend a very, very good opponent, most likely. And I just don't think they can do that well enough to win four straight. But I'm with you in terms of Illinois at least being the team with a chance. Mm-hmm. I, I think, this is how I look at it. Um, Illinois has obvious strengths. You went through them. Great guard play. Then you got Coburn, who's just a monster down low. If you are picking at nits with that team, I would say the two things that I would focus on are this. One, you have a potential problem in an extremely tight game, as you saw to a degree today, if you've got to play Coburn down the stretch because you yeah. can't shoot free throws. You know, they tried to avoid that, and then Georgie fouled out late in regulation. So it forced them to play Coburn, and they got by. But that, that situation, you are playing with... <laughs> you got a loaded gun at your head
0: when yeah, you are playing tough.
2: that situation. So that's the first thing that I think is a problem. And, again, you've got to figure this is the tournament, right? You're going to be in games that are coming down somewhere along the line. You're going to be in a game or two before you even get to a Final Four that are going to come right down to the wire. And so those things that might seem to be kind of at the margin often are at the center of it when <laughs> – when push comes to shove. That would be the first thing. The second thing would be what we've already touched on. Um, there, there's still, I think it's fair to say maybe there's a fragility with that team emotionally that in the right, in the wrong kind of situation, you know, where all the chips are down and, and you know that they're feeling the weight now of expectation. Yeah. You know, they've won the Big Ten tournament. They felt like they got robbed out of a share of the regular season title. They took care of that by winning the Big Ten tournament. They're going in as the team that everybody is talking about the same way we're talking about them. But what will they do when that moment of adversity hits? I do like the way they responded to adversity today. I think that's a positive sign if you're looking for one. But it's also fair to wonder about it. I can't. I can't say that anybody questioning whether they'll answer the bell when the chips are really down is is crazy for doing so, right? Yeah. Um, so those would be my reasons that I think they're questionable. All that said, um, I, they're the one team I think that can do it. But I'm going with Gonzaga, <laughs> and, and I'm I'm going with Gonzaga. And I hear everything you're saying. That Historically, we know that this is a problem. That they generally, but for one season, really, in the last 15 years, right? Yeah. Generally speaking, they're not going to perform expectations. They're going to find a way to lose. I think this is a different team for one main reason. This team has Jalen Suggs. And I don't think they've ever had a guy like him.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I just think I watched him in that BYU game and he just took over and he took over the way the guy, a guy would take over. Who's not just going to be a pro, but is going to be a serious pro in my mind, like potentially a franchise altering pro. Uh I just think he's, I think he's so good. I think he's, we were talking about this on the message board today. And somebody asked, you know, who does he compare to? And I was trying to think about that. And I think athletically, he's a guy who you can see in the same general category as a guy like Russell Westbrook, right? He's that caliber of athlete. Mm -hmm. But the difference is he's actually a creator. He's not a guy who just goes looking to score. He actually goes looking to create for teammates. The other thing is he can defend like a monster. He's tough. I mean, he was an elite quarterback prospect, so he's physically tough. The other thing I love Six about four.
0: him. I mean, my goodness. Yeah,
2: and the other thing I love about him, he is, and I don't think I'm forgetting, maybe, maybe somebody like Jason Kidd could get into this conversation, but in my opinion, he is the best full-court passer I've seen since Irvin Johnson. By that, I mean he gets the outlet pass or a rebound, and no dribbles, just right down the floor. You know, say if the floor is you know 94 feet, so say like a 75 to 80-foot pass. Mm-hmm. I have not seen anybody since Magic. Again, maybe a Jason Kidd would get into that conversation. I have to think about it. But in my first blush, I started thinking about this this afternoon. I don't think I've ever seen a guy since Magic who did it better then Jalen sucks. I've been amazed every time I've seen him, he did it in the BYU game. He put a couple of full court passes. I mean, again, guy was a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of it, but <laughs> on the money at like 70 feet, just on the money, not, Oh, he threw a catchable pass, like on the money in stride, hitting a guy for a transition basket. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, he is just a separator to me. And, and the fact that they've got him, I think is what changes the dynamic because they've had a lot of really good guards over their time there. And they've also had a lot of really good big men. Yeah. I don't think they've had a Jalen Suggs. I don't think Jalen Suggs come around very often. Honestly. <laughs> it's Probably not every not. year that there's, it's not every year that there's a Jalen Suggs in college basketball. And the crazy thing is, he's probably not going to be the first pick in the draft. I think the consensus is Cade Cunningham's going to get picked. It's entirely possible Suggs might last until four or five, which is nuts. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, these G League guys people are talking about, you know, Evan Mobley at USC, really good player. But, man, (laughs) in basketball in 2021, I want a lead guy Uh before I talk about anything else. And so the fact that, you know, Cade Cunningham, okay, he could do that, so you pick him first, I'm not going to argue. I think Suggs is going to be better, but I can see the argument. Mm. But those other guys, I don't get it because this is an elite point guard, an elite decision maker, a going to lead your franchise. But regardless of what the NBA thinks about him, I think in the college game, he's the reason to me. They, they've had guys that are in the ballpark with Drew Timmy before or, or some of their other players, you know. Yeah. But um, Kuiper, you know, those guys, they've had guys like that. They haven't had Jalen Suggs. So that's yep. why I'm going with Gonzaga. But I hear you. You're not the only person. Who's, and the fact that they're also undefeated and they're dealing with that burden. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's another thing. And, and I don't know that we can even properly quantify that, what that will mean if they get to the Final Four. And then, you know, the last time we saw this was in 2015 with Kentucky. And they flamed out. They flamed out against a really good team. That Wisconsin team was fantastic. So it wasn't an embarrassment for them to lose. But I think everybody had just kind of concluded that Kentucky was going to do it, and then they didn't do it. Hmm. UNLV in 19, 19, uh, 90, uh, 1991, right? Um, trying to win a second straight. got undefe- Went undefeated, got to the Final Four. Bye-bye. You know, so there, there's a pressure that's even beyond a normal Final Four pressure, if you can believe that, that might operate with Gonzaga. And we don't know how they'll handle that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting.
0: All right. Well, uh, any final thoughts about MSU? I mean, so, geez, we're going to get this game Thursday. I don't know if the times are up yet. Um... I haven't
2: seen it yet. Um, but for usually at some point tonight, this evening, I would think we could expect it. We're, we're recording this obviously right after it was over, so it's probably a little after eight o'clock Eastern right now. Um, I would think by like eleven or so. I think they're normally announced. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry, times are coming. Times are out, so hold on here. There's, I mean, everybody will already have this by the time they hear it, right? But why not? <laughs> uh, I, do, I do see some times being uh, they're being announced as I'm watching CBS Sports Line um on my screen as we're talking i,
0: mean, I think that, i would think um, this msu ucla would be like prime time uh, you know what
2: maybe not though because they no, it's not going to be on this screen in any event it's going to be thursday night
1: mm-hmm.
2: um and uh and yeah i mean my my final thought would be that, oh it's i'm sorry it's thursday at 1 p.m oh. it's in the afternoon so thursday so it'll feel like a normal tournament right Yeah, it will. will Hey, no Thursday start, you know? Don't (laughs) work till Friday. Well, guess again. Thursday at one o'clock. All right,
0: that's surprising.
2: Yeah, it is to me too. I would think they'd want that game at night to maximize, and then if they win, they play on Saturday to be determined against BYU. So that's the setup. I think you say it would be a challenge, like any team is a challenge. This Michigan State team is not good enough where you look past anybody. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think as we talked about, for a lot of reasons, this is not the worst thing that could have happened to Michigan State, you know? And the bottom line is,
0: what choice do you have? You just got to go and win the games. Right, right. That's it? I mean, I would say, out of all the sort of the, if you break the brackets down into like eights, um, Right. They got the best chance to get to an elite eight, even though they got to play an extra game. Uh, you know, at least against the teams that I'm looking at. I, I mean, it sucks that you have to play who's UCLA, the, who's but the two,
2: who's the two again?
0: Alabama. They're a good team.
2: <laughs> They're a good team. I, I I was I've been very impressed with them. I was really impressed with them uh, at times today in the SEC championship. But mm-hmm. you know what? It, that's kind of a new money sort of thing. That's And sometimes it doesn't matter and sometimes it does where you're talking about a program that doesn't have a lot of history either with that coaching staff or as a a school, as a program, period. And Alabama is not, you know, they're not a have when it comes to basketball tradition. So to be a number two seed, that's rarefied air for them. To Mm be an SEC champ, regular season end tournament, Rarified air that does not happen very often and and these players haven't been through anything like that i don't think they've got
0: anybody on their roster who's played a tournament game before i don't so think so no you never know, you never know. And they're going up against rick patino how about that number 15 well, iona <laughs>
2: that that pro- and i i'll admit i have not seen iona this year but if there's a coach <laughs> for a 15 seed you would not want to see it is rick patino i think they probably get past that but you never know
0: yep all right well we'll we'll cap that one off here and get a preview up for ucla um in the next few days and until then uh the final four is not on schedule